understand today kind of the big idea, kind of what we're going after today, and it's this. A life without mercy is a life without freedom, and it's a life without purpose. A life without mercy is a life without freedom, and it's a life without purpose. Now, one thing that will obstruct a life of blessing and purpose will be a heart that harbors unforgiveness towards others. If, if, you, want to, if you want to obstruct the prosperity and the success and, 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 and the blessing that God has for you in your life, it's very easy. Don't forgive. So this morning, the path to freedom and the path to purpose isn't easy, but it's made possible as we pursue the life of Jesus Christ and his plans for those of us who follow him. And as a kingdom maker, the way that we understand this concept and we move down this path of blessing and prosperity and purpose is this. We first and foremost consider the magnitude of mercy. We consider the magnitude of the mercy of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We, we recognize that, that God's mercy is just, it's mind-blowing when you consider what Christ did to make redemption possible for those of us that were under the wrath of God. We, 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 find, it, we find it unfathomable, the mercy of God and what He did to rescue us from our sin, our shame, and our guilt. Mercy at a foundational level is God withholding judgment that we deserve, and instead he grants us forgiveness that we have not earned, right? I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me want to shout this morning, okay? Because mercy is God withholding the judgment we deserve. Listen, we deserve to go to a Christless hell separated from God for all eternity in a place where the worm does not die and a place that is that is awful. We deserve that. But instead, God grants us mercy and he grants us forgiveness, and it's a forgiveness that we have not earned. It is a forgiveness that we, that we, that we cannot earn, and it's something that, we, that, that, that isn't even merited to us. Friends, that's the gospel. You see, Jesus showed mercy to us when he died on the cross and he forgave our sins. The disciples of Jesus Christ have been rescued from the wrath of God. That means hell, and they've been rescued and redeemed from the bondage of sin. And maybe you've experienced the bondage of sin, and now in God's mercy, he has set you free. Friends, that's mercy. That is God giving us something and doing something for us that we could not ever do on our own, and anything that, and it's something that we, we do not deserve. So mercy is the demonstration of God's compassion on sinners. No matter how broken or messed up your life seems to be, God stands offering mercy. I don't know about you, but I've been recently inviting some folks to, to church and inviting them to our, our Easter services. My wife did, uh, invited a co-worker, and one of the things that she says, like, man, I don't know if the church could hold up if I come in the building. And maybe you've heard that, that phrase before, you know? And the reality is this, is there's a lot of people that are truly afraid to approach a holy God. And yet, God is standing this morning with arms open, ready to receive those who are, who are broken and those who are messed up. Man, if you're here this morning and your life is just falling apart, I think you found yourself in the right place this morning. Because there's a God in heaven who extends mercy to the broken. He extends mercy to those who are in bondage. He, he extends mercy to those who have ruined their life 
by poor choice after poor, short, poor choice. And I want you to understand this morning that following Jesus isn't about sin management. And some of us think, well, man, I'll, I'll get saved and I'll come to Christ once I get my life cleaned up. Listen, you'll never get your life cleaned up until you come to Jesus Christ. Following Jesus isn't about sin management. Listen, following Jesus is about experiencing his mercy that he offers to us that we do not deserve. Christianity isn't about becoming a better version of you or becoming a better person in general. It's about God giving us something that we could not give to ourselves, and that's forgiveness. God wants to redeem, and God wants to rescue you from the chains of sin and shame, and it is mercy that knows no boundaries, and it doesn't have limits. Aren't you thankful for that today? I mean, I don't know about you, but like in my life, there are some, there, I mean, humanly speaking, I mean, we think that there are limits to our forgiveness, you know? Like if someone stole a 20 from me, like I could probably forgive them, right? You run over my cat, and I'm like probably thanking you for that, right? You mess with my kids, and I'm just, we're drawing a line in the sand. You see what I'm saying from a human standpoint? But with God, there is nothing that you can't bring to him that he will not extend mercy to you if you come with a broken and contrite heart. Nothing. Nothing. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did. I don't need to know because what I do know is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a cross and he bore on his body the weight of all of the sin of all of mankind. And he did that out of mercy. We're invited this morning to bring our sin and our brokenness to Jesus. And the cross this morning demonstrates there isn't any link that Jesus isn't willing to go to rescue you from sin, shame, and guilt. And so, This type of love ultimately has the ability and the potential to transform who we are from the inside out. And so as we understand the magnitude of mercy, we then become characterized by God's mercy. We become characterized by the the very mercy of God that has saved us and redeemed us and rescued us. You know, mercy truly does something to the soul. It does something to the inner man. It fundamentally changes who we are and how we respond to those around us. You know, this morning one of my girls came to me and they said, hey, you know, this kid put this on my social media page. And here's the thing. As a dad, you want to protect your kids from all the ills in the world, right? You want to do that. And, you know, um, when, when, when things like that happen to your kids, the, the papa bear and the mama bear, pop, uh, mama bear comes out, and all those things. But listen, I recognize this this morning. I'm not going to protect my child from every hurt on the, in this world that she may experience at one time or another. And while she, these kids are young, I want to help navigate them in life on how to understand what it means to do or how, 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 what it means to respond when you've been wronged. You know, our kids sometimes get in trouble at school. Just this week, one of my other daughters had a situation where um, you know, um, she didn't do something right. And I said, Hey, you need to go and you need to talk to the principal. You need to talk to the staff. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's your problem. Read an article this week about how parents are constantly removing obstacles. It's not helicopter parents. It's lawnmower parents. Now the big thing with Lori Laughlin and, and Felicity Huffman is they, uh, you know, created this, uh, opportunity for their kids that their kids didn't earn. They surely didn't deserve. So I don't, I don't want to remove all those obstacles from my kids. In fact, I told my kids this week, I'm going to put more obstacles in your way. You know, because that's how life is. 
But when they are wronged and when they are hurt, I can't protect them from that forever. Some parents in this room today that you have adult children and you know, like, you watch your kids get married. You hope they make the right decision. You hope that they uh, walk down the right path. You hope they choose the right college. You, you hope they pick the right job. But ultimately, we can't do anything to control the other people around us. But what we can do is learn to respond in ways that reflect the character and nature of Jesus Christ. So when you understand the magnitude of mercy, it touches the inner man and who you are. And so what we know is this, is that you can't be the same. You can't be the same if you've experienced God's divine love in your life. Like, you're just different. You don't want to retaliate. You don't, you don't want to take revenge because your fate is in the hands of a loving God. And if God could forgive you, surely he could forgive others. And even more so, you too can forgive them. That's the kind of people that God has called us to be. Because when mercy grips your life, you respond different to hurt. You look at it differently. In fact, what Jesus is saying is people in my kingdom, they're not takers. They're givers. The people in my kingdom aren't condemners. They're mercy givers. The people in my kingdom aren't ones who set themselves up above everybody else. They are people who who stoop down to help everybody. This is who we are as kingdom makers. So when someone lies to you or betrays you or hurts you or gossips about you, it's brought to the cross where you found mercy, especially when you regretted your own stuff. You know, to the extent that you have been forgiven, you should extend forgiveness. To the extent that you've been forgiven is to the extent that you should extend forgiveness. Amen? We don't forgive because they deserve it. Did you deserve forgiveness? Yet God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, ultimately, what we know, what we understand about God's forgiveness and God's mercy in our life is this. Mercy will transform how you respond to the hurt of other people in your life cannot give what you have not received. This is a gospel issue. And for some of you this morning, I'd wonder, or I would wonder if I was counseling you or talking to you, well, I just can't forgive this person. Well, they did this to me, and they hurt me. And I get there's all kinds of hurt in life. There's abuse. I mean, there, there's so many things that we could go. There's people that lie to you. There's people that steal from you. There's people that use you. There's people that, 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 that embellish the truth about who you are. And I'd hate being a teenager growing up in high school right now. It's crazy. I didn't have those issues when I was a kid, you know? It's just, at the end of the day, we have to understand if we've been touched by the mercy of God, that mercy then touches those that God brings us in contact with. Joby Martin said, forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's an action. And you don't forgive and forget. You forgive And then you remember that you forgave. In the past, I've been really hurt by people. I've had people who really, really hurt me. They said some things that broke my heart, discouraged me deeply. But the moment, the moment that they asked forgiveness, it was no longer an issue because it was brought under the cross of Jesus Christ. Someone once said, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You with me? 
Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and then you hoping that the other person dies when ultimately it's destroying your own soul. Mercy never holds a grudge. It never retaliates. It's never vengeful. It's never, it never flaunts uh, somebody's weakness. It never makes something of somebody's failure. It never recites sin. It doesn't get historical, but mercy seeks to forgive and mercy seeks to move forward. And I wonder how many marriages would be completely radically transformed this morning if a spouse would just forgive another spouse and just move forward. I just wonder how in our church today some relationships that may have been broken could the, the, the relationship could be forgiven and move forward. What could be done for God in our families, in our church, in our communities if we could be a people of mercy? I've had people who hurt me and wounded me, and they never asked forgiveness. But I stand ready to forgive and make it right someday. And I understand this morning we don't have time to get into all this, but to some degree forgiveness is transactional. I can't ultimately grant forgiveness to a person who has never asked forgiveness of me or from me. Are you with me? But I can stand ready to forgive them and not allow that hurt or that betrayal or uh, that injustice to shape my heart in the future for how I interact and respond to other people. I mean, honestly, most of the time, what happens when we get hurt, what do we do? We start brick by brick building up a wall and making a, a wall around us so that no one can ever really know us again and so we can never really have authentic relationships. So I understand this morning that they can't be forgiven until they ask, but I'm waiting. Listen, I'm waiting just like Jesus does for me when I run from him. Mercy given. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Listen to this. Mercy given doesn't mean mercy returned. Mercy given doesn't always mean mercy returned. You can extend mercy. You can extend forgiveness. You can be ready to forgive. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to come back. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be made right. The sin on our part is this, is when someone has confessed and we refuse to let it go and turn bitter on the inside. Are you with me? The sin is is when someone has confessed a sin to us or a wrong or a hurt or an injustice to us and, and, and their heart is in the right place. And maybe there was some misunderstanding. I don't know. But if we refuse to forgive, if we refuse to give that away which was freely given to us, then we're truly not following Jesus Christ in the way of his kingdom. That's the poison that will destroy you and everyone around you. You think that you're getting back at this person simply by withholding your forgiveness, but what you're doing is, in turn, you're destroying your own soul. Unfortunately, I can often see a bitter person a mile away. I want you to know this morning that when we're characterized by mercy, listen, when you're never more like Christ, you are never more like Jesus than when you extend forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. You're never more like Jesus than when you extend forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. And I want you to realize this. Kingdom makers understand the magnitude of mercy. They understand what Jesus did for them. And in so doing, it characterizes who they are and how they respond. But it doesn't just do that. You see, kingdom makers are consumed with the mission of mercy. Because what Jesus is talking about here, the word Mercy, um, it means God granting to us forgiveness that we do not deserve, but it also means 
a compassion and sympathy toward anyone who has any need. Now, kingdom makers have a mission to bring comfort to the comfortless. We bring hope to the hurting, and we share with them the love of Jesus Christ. And as we follow God's plan for our life, we're consumed with showing compassion to those who are hurting and those who are in need. Now listen, I'm not saying it's easy when you've been hurt. I'm not saying it's been it's easy when you've been abused or 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 when your marriage falls apart and, and your spouse hurt you and maligned you, maligned you and and there's an injustice. I'm not saying that it's easy. But what I am saying is, is if you allow that garbage to find its way into your soul without finding a path forward in forgiveness, you're going to miss out on some of the best parts of your life that Jesus Christ has for you in growing you as a person and extending mercy to those who need it. Kingdom makers make disciples. That's what we do. We, we not only are receivers of mercy, we're also givers of mercy. We look for ways to point people to Jesus Christ and the mercy that he offers them that will radically change and transform their life. We make disciples that multiply for the kingdom, uh, for kingdom impact. As a church, we gather in here so that we can be the church out there. Hey, listen, I'm glad you are here this morning. And I'm glad that you're a part of our worship service this Sunday morning. What we do here is eternal and it's valuable. But what you do out there is also important. If you leave here and you're a bitter person and you're not extending mercy to others and you're not looking for ways to show acts of compassion to people who stand in need, We are not the people that God has called us to be. The church is an army, not an audience. And I believe that so many people come to church week in and week out, and they're just consumers of religious goods. They're here to hear a message. They're here to hear the band play. They're here to have their kids learn some good morals. But listen, we're not here for good morals. We're not here just to be good people. We are here because we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are disciples who make disciples that multiply so that we can make an impact in the kingdom of God. That's what God has called us to do. Our families, our church, our community would be impacted if we recognize the magnitude and the mission of God's infinite mercy. If we recognize that we were bearers of hope. You know, if you're here today, I said this last week, but I want to say it again. If you're here today and you're more concerned about donuts and coffee and whether the pastor spoke to you or, uh, or, or, or you're more concerned about those things, listen, than you are about making disciples of Jesus Christ, you're going to miss out on God's plan and purpose for your life. And I'm not saying that to be mean. Because if I don't talk to you today, if Pastor Mike doesn't talk to you today, or Pastor John, Pastor Ben, we have phones, we have emails. All right, you can get a hold of us some way. But if you're more concerned about that, then we're going to struggle to complete the mission that God has for us individually and as a church. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something today. Christ didn't die so you could come in here and have a good time and enjoy your coffee and snacks. And I, look, anybody that knows me is I'm down with the snacks. When we have a meal around here, it's going to be good. Christ didn't die so we could come in here and have a good time and enjoy coffee and snacks. He died that the world might know his love. You know that? Jesus died so not so we have good donuts, good coffee, a good time. No, he died so that people would know about his transforming love. 
If our lives reflect his love, we'll spread mercy. He didn't die to make life easier. He died to save us and send us out. And when you've been gripped by grace and impacted by the greatest love that this universe has ever known, you will be compelled to help others know the same mercy that you've known. It's not enough that you've experienced mercy. Going forward, leverage your life for the mission of God and for the good news of the gospel and for the good of others. Let me ask you that today. When you look at your life, are you living your life as a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ for the good of others? Or is your life all about you and what is good for you? Or are you viewing your life through the calling that God has on you? Because the moment you got saved, you are simultaneously called into the mission of God. And listen, God has a beautiful, magnificent, wondrous plan for your life. Some of you this morning just need to wake up and realize that God is at work in you and he wants to work through you. I said this quote last week, but I want to say it again. Start praying for an opportunity to point people to Jesus because that's a prayer that God can't wait to answer. Pray for that. But man, if you don't get the magnitude of mercy, you're not thinking about the mercy that other people need. If you're not characterized by mercy and and you're not a person who extends forgiveness, you're surely not going to uh, leverage your life for the good of others. Kingdom makers bring mercy to those experiencing a lack of hope because of the sinful choices that have left them broken with no purpose and no peace. You know, there are people in your ball leagues, in your schools. We got college students here today. We got high school students here today. Uh, We've got uh, folks that work all around this community and even into the city. And do you know that there are people that wake up every day with no purpose? Do you know that people wake up every day and they're alone? You know, there's probably a woman at at your work who her husband is abusing her, and she knows no way out of it. No one's standing there with mercy because everyone in the office, including you as a follower of Jesus Christ, all you do is complain about how inept your boss is. And there's no mercy extended to him. And so why would she ever come to you and say, hey, can you show me the mercy that you have? Why would you be merciful to this guy who seems to be a complete idiot? Why would you show mercy to him? Well, let me tell you why, because Jesus showed mercy to me. You see how this breaks down in our practical everyday life and our responses and our actions? That's the mission that we're on. It's easy. Listen, young people hear me today. It's easy to be a critic. Man, it's easy to pick things apart and say, well, you know, if I was in charge. It's easy to be negative and look for the wrong in everything. But followers of Jesus Christ and those of us who are kingdom makers, we view life through the lens of God's calling on our life. We recognize this world isn't perfect, and we know that it's never going to be perfect until God comes, Jesus comes, and he reconciles all things to himself, and he makes all things new. None of it's going to be perfect until he comes, but we can leverage our life with purpose. So we go back to the beginning. A life without mercy is a life without freedom and a life without purpose. So I want to ask you today, imagine this morning how differently your your life would be. How different would your marriage be this morning? How different would the community be today if you pursued Jesus' mercy and his mission in your life. Seriously. Kids, how how would your parents respond today 
And listen, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. There's not. I mean, I, 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 I get that. There's no such thing as perfect authority. But how different would your relationship be with those who have authority over your life, your teachers and your professors, if you were a person of mercy? How would that impact your circle of friends? How would that impact the friends that you hang out with that don't know Christ as their Savior? How, how would your marriage and your kids' response to life be if you understood mercy? So the first thing I want you to do today, because some of you, you've been hurt. Some of you, man, you've been in a bad marriage. Some of you had a mom and dad who did some things to you that were just, they were not good. I remember as a kid, man, I I mentioned this last week, but I think it's so important. But I remember as a kid just growing up thinking, man, I wish my dad would just throw a ball with me and stop yelling at my mom. But I learned from a very early age, and I've struggled with it for years. But there was a verse that God always laid on my heart. Job chapter 23, verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That verse shaped my life. Because at the end of the day, I recognize that God sovereignly and providentially gave me the father that I have to shape me for the calling that he would eventually have on my life one day. And while I couldn't change the circumstances of my family dynamic, what I could do is grow from the inside out and become the man and the follower of Jesus Christ that God wanted me to be. And some of you this morning, you have hurts. And you have frustrations and you have injustices in your life. And you need to come on the first note today and run to the altar and lay them here so that you can move forward in your life and be all that God wants you to be. Lay it down and don't pick it up again. You might need to call someone today. Some of you have been hurtful to other people. Maybe you're a young person this morning and you've said some hurtful things about your parents or you've said some hurtful things to your parents. Maybe you're a spouse today and you've said something hurtful to your spouse and those those words came out of your mouth that you now can't take back and you can't retract what you said, but you can seek forgiveness. Some of you today, you might need to pick up the phone and call someone today. And you do that. You lay down these hurts today. You seek forgiveness today. You do that and watch Jesus transform your hard life. You watch God begin to transform you. You watch God begin to prosper you and give you a success that you never even dreamed was possible or imaginable. And as we think about the upcoming weeks here in our church, as we think about being a people of mercy, I want you to really consider first and foremost Is there a hurt in your life today that you're harboring, that's hindering your walk with God and your ability to make an impact in the kingdom? Or this morning, maybe you have hurt someone else and you know, even as we're sitting here today, the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, you you said this about this person and you you know this isn't right between you and them. You need to go make it right. Maybe you need to do that today. I've had to do that on many occasions. I've had to apologize to people and to this day they won't talk to me, but all I can do is my part. And my conscience is cleared and I sleep well at night in part because I obeyed God. But you know, a step beyond that is looking in our circles and considering the people that God has placed in our lives. And last week I I, uh, asked you to consider 10 people that you want to invite to Easter this year. 10 people that we want to extend mercy to. 10 people that we want to show them the goodness of God and the grace of God. And we're praying this year that we're going to have two services, one at 9, one at 1030. And, and this is one of those deals as a church that we don't ask for very often. But, but we want to go 
all in as a church family. Everyone being involved. Some of you are going to work a service and then attend a service. And, and others are going to be greeters. And others are going to bring friends. And, and some have already, like, planning to, 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 to get your family into church. I'm a, we're going to do Easter lunch, but you got to come to church first. I'm all for that, right? You know, nothing wrong with a little Easter ham to get them down, you know, to the church house. Amen? Whatever you got to do, just don't lie to people, right? Whatever you got to do. So this morning, in a few minutes, John and the band is going to come. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and ask them to go ahead and step behind me. And we're going to lay here in just a moment across the altar these little cards. And the cards say, My Ten. And we want you to write down, in just a moment, the names of ten people that you're praying for, that God's laid on your heart, that you're going you're gonna to do everything that you can to invite them to church. And we're talking about people who don't go to church, people that are far from God or irreligious or, or people that you know, uh, they need to know Jesus Christ. They need to be under the sound of the gospel. And so we want you to write those names down. And then when you've come down and you've written the names down and you've prayed over them, if there's enough space, we want you to just come and drop them off at the foot of the cross. Because no man comes to Christ unless he comes to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Every single person that will know Christ will come by the way of the cross. And next week, what we're going to do is we're going to paste those cards all over that cross as a visual reminder, listen, that Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for every name that will be hanging on that cross next week. And we'll be reminded every week to pray for them, to reach out to them, and to encourage them to be here this coming Easter. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, Man, I got some some bitterness in my life, some areas in my life where I need to forgive some people. And I just, I'm struggling with that. And I want you to pray for me today. Would you just lift your hands and, and let me pray for you this morning? Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, see those hands. Amen. Anyone else? I'm struggling to forgive. I've got some things in my heart and in my life that I am harboring. And, and I, I want to move on. Anyone else? Just pray for me today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. How many of you say to me this morning, I got to seek forgiveness today? There's people in my life that I love, and I've hurt them, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me on that today. Would you pray for me? Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else? Yep. See it in the back. Amen. How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I need to experience God's forgiveness? There's never been a time in my life where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've never committed my life to Him. I don't even know where I stand with God this morning. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone that's like that that's here today? Pastor Jay? Yes, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand to your feet this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the sweetness of his love. We thank you for the magnitude of his mercy. We thank you, Lord, that there is no limit, and there's no measure to the love and mercy that you have for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, the word of God says, even while we were enemies, Jesus died for us. And you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, you went to the cross to redeem us and rescue us from our sin, our shame, and our guilt. Lord, you take our sins as far as the east is from the west and you remember them no more. I pray, Lord, for our church this morning that we would be a people that extend mercy. 
to one another, to our families, to our friends, to our circles of uh, social circles that we're involved in. God, just help us to be a people who look in part and live for the goodness of others, not just for the goodness of ourselves. And I pray for our church today, Lord, that we would be all in on this idea of bringing people to the Savior. I look all through the Word of God and I see over and over and over again that a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit is a church that boldly proclaims the gospel. And not just by the pastors or the elders, but by the people of God, the disciples, the kingdom makers. And I just pray this morning that your hand would be on our people and that your spirit would move in this place and that we would boldness would come and ask forgiveness where we need to ask forgiveness, where we that we might forgive where we need to forgive. But then, Lord, we might begin to think and look and pray and strategize how we can reach more people with the message of the gospel. God, I just pray that this entire altar would be filled with people today that, that just get broken over those that we know in our lives that don't know the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so, God, we pray for a great move of your spirit this morning, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. John's going to sing on the first note. There's